Welcome to Story Road Studios in beautiful downtown Beaufort, Georgia. You are listening to The Gwinnett Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to The Gwinnett Podcast. I'm Nate McGill, one of the hosts. Today on the show, we have Gary Martin Hayes from Gary Martin Hayes & Associates. His, um, his, his firm has recovered nearly $1 billion with a B for his clients. I mean, as far as personal injury attorneys go... Um, Gary is one of the most successful legends in our county, but that's not what makes him so great. What makes him great is that he continually pours into our community. Some other facts about Gary is the Wall Street Journal and USA Today have quoted him as he's appeared on countless TV shows, including Fox and Friends and CNN Headline News. He has written or co-authored 15 best-selling books, including The Authority on Personal Injury Claims in Georgia and The Authority on Workers' Compensation Claims in Georgia. And I believe he's got a new book out right now um, about tractor trailer accidents and things like that. Um, He's been Best of Gwinnett winner countless times over the years. He's also uh, a member of the Multi-Million Dollar Advocates Forum, a society limited to attorneys who have received a verdict or settlement of at least $2 million. And Hayes' videos on Georgia law have been watched over 8 million times, making him the most viewed attorney in Georgia on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Today, we're going to jump into his story of why he does the things that he does. We go deep here, and I really, really enjoy this full conversation. So make sure you listen to it all. And if you um, get done with that and want more of Gary, you can always tune in and find him on Intersection Radio on 101.5 FM every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Guys, I hope you enjoy this show as much as I enjoyed actually recording it and having this conversation. Let's get right to it with Gary Martin Hayes. I really just want to jump right into your story and start off like at the beginning because, you know, as long as we've known each other, I'm not so sure I even, I know your origin story and how you got into the law to begin with. So why don't we start at the very beginning? Yeah, take it back. Um to my years growing up, my formative years. My dad was a Methodist minister. Okay. And he served at a bunch of churches in small towns. And it seemed like the leaders in all the churches were the doctors or the lawyers. Got to interact with them uh, in high school. I got to clerk Mm. for a a law firm as a runner, essentially delivering mail. Got a good inside look at that. And in college, I just took some law classes and it came easy for me. And uh, that, I guess that's the whole genesis of it. I'd been exposed to people that were in it, loved it when I took the classes in Excel with very little effort, mm-hmm. and I've loved it ever since. Those first early courses that you were taking that were kind of introducing you to yeah. the law, yeah, you just found it super interesting? Very interesting, and it was one of those areas, too, where I feel like I could affect a change. It looks like the guys that were making a difference in the communities, not just church, but in the communities, were the attorneys. And uh, that that really sparked the interest. This makes so much sense to me now, because you you obviously are giving back to the community like all the time. And so that's just a big part of who you are. It goes all the way back to the very beginning, you know, in your dad's church, seeing that these guys are the ones that are really contributing, that are really involved and helping. And that makes a lot of sense, Gary. Yeah, my mom and dad would always challenge us, Mm. go out and make a difference in someone else's life today. Mm -hmm. You know, make a positive difference. What kind of impact can you make? 
And yeah, that, that stuck with me. And it's something that we not only heard from them, but we saw them walk that walk too. Mm-hmm. They were so quick to help others. So when you first when you when you pass the bar, you're getting out, you're getting into the law, like where's the first place you start? Yeah, I started out doing insurance defense. I used to represent the people out there that were causing the wrecks or employers okay. and insurance companies in workers' compensation claims. Mm-hmm. Uh couldn't really stomach that because mm. I felt like the whole goal was try to either deny or limit the amount that was paid out to people that really deserved it. Oh, interesting. And the insurance companies really want to hire the people that have excelled in law school. And fortunately, I, I did excel. I was mm-hmm. on Law Review there, uh, top 10 in the, in the class, did really well. And when they come dangling, hey, you've got this job, all these great benefits, and, and here's the salary, you're like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Now I can hopefully pay off these student loans you know, sooner than later. But when you start doing the work and, and you see that it, it's not about helping people, it's about denying people what they are entitled to receive, mm. enough of that. It just wasn't in tune with your brand and who yeah. you were before yeah. you even had a brand. Exactly. Now you've got a pretty well-established <laughs> brand, and we get to see you all over the place. And How did you kind of get from point A to point B? So how did you go from transitioning into defense, into going up against these insurance companies, to um, the Gary Martin Hayes that we all know today from the billboards, TV commercials, radio ads. I mean, you're, you've kind of got the market fully saturated at this point um, in a very, I think, good and positive way. Yeah, it was kind of a, a leap of faith. I worked with another attorney, and uh, he felt the same way. We're, we're not mm. doing what we really want to do. So we started the firm together back in 1993, Duncan Maysillis. Okay. Uh, he retired in 2000 because he wanted to go back, get his doctorate in history, and, and teach history on the college level. Okay, wow. So yeah, I, I took over with it just being me exclusively in 2000. And you know, a big part of why we, we advertise is really based upon a conversation I had with a trial coach. He was a former theater professor at uh, Duke University, mm. who, interestingly enough, was taking time away sabbatical to go write the great American novel, and he had a writer's block. So he decided to go watch some attorneys try cases in a small town in, in North Carolina. Oh, and wow. he saw how they were butchering their claims <laughs> and not making the best presentation. Presentation. So he started working with attorneys on trial uh, presentations. I had an opportunity to work with him. That was awesome. And yeah. he said, you're very good at what you do. Mm-hmm. You need to let people know that you are out there. Mm-hmm. So he was a big push to us to get out there and advertise because mm-hmm. not enough good attorneys, or I think with any profession, are really letting people know that they're out there. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that you don't even think about hiring an attorney until you absolutely need one. And that hits you usually from left field. You weren't expecting it. Something happens. You have the maybe one of the worst moments of your life, you know, but it's it's a it's it's like, okay, who do I know? Who have I heard of? And if you're not in front of them. 24-7, 24-7, yeah. then you're not going to be front of mind. And interestingly enough, what, what we have found, the number one roadblock mm. before not knowing an attorney, not knowing who to call is, I don't know if I can afford an attorney. How, how can I pay them? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I know I need help, but I, I don't right. even know if I can afford an attorney. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Man, so let's go. You kind of get the firm going. You're, you're, you've got everything um, growing over from 2000 up to today. 
I want to fast forward to this year with 2020. And I'm guessing you were having the first quarter we were all having and everything was hunky dory. And then all of a sudden, bam. And then the next time I see you, you were out in the parking lot with a donut trailer from Simply Done Donuts. Yeah. And for folks who didn't see this video or didn't see um, what Gary was doing, it was basically like as soon as the pandemic hit, the stay-at-home orders had gone out and and the restaurants basically could not do business any longer. And so I want to talk a little bit about what what was your instinct there to immediately start helping businesses? I know how much effort, blood, sweat, and tears I put into building my, my law firm. Mm-hmm. It, it was not an overnight success. It was a lot of hours, a lot of planning, a lot of prayer. And to see people that had finally gotten to that point where they, they took that leap of faith, faith they built their, their dream business, but to have something that was totally unexpected by everybody, such an outside influence come in and cause their, their profits to diminish, mm-hmm. their, their doors had to close and, and see the, the hurt in their their eyes, the, the tears, the the fear of, of the unknown. It's like, let's see what we can do to help them. Mm-hmm. You know, let's all rally around because if we're not supporting these businesses now during this difficult time, whenever, good Lord willing, the coronavirus is over, our economy opens up, these businesses will not be around. Right. And, and that's not the kind of community that I want. Mm. I want to support anybody and everybody that is out there trying to live the American dream and adding value to our community. So yeah, I, I actually saw a video, Chris, a Tuttle at, at Simply Done Donuts. You could hear the fear, the worry, and you could see the tears in her eyes when she was talking about, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Right. I can't sit on the, the sidelines and not help somebody in that situation. Mm-hmm. So it was a great opportunity to, to not only support her business, but to expose her business to others within the Gwinnett community and, and a great chance for everybody to, to collectively, let's, let's do something positive yeah. to help somebody in need. Well, I think it was a great act of kindness. And I think you, you really showed love to the community in that moment. It wasn't your first effort of, of being out there and doing something for our community. When do you think it first started where you've gotten the firm built up to where you really feel like that first philanthropy started to happen? Yeah, you know, it was, it was from the very beginning. Mm. We started giving out bicycle helmets. I helped a, a family who lost a young kid mm. because of a bicycle accident. Okay, I see. Um, and, and we're there when people need us after something bad has happened. Mm-hmm. But if I can do something proactively to prevent those bad things from happening, that's something that I want to do. I, oh, yeah. I, I feel a call to say, hey, l- 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 the preventable accidents are just that, preventable. Mm. Either people don't know about it or they don't have the funds to, to properly protect themselves. Right. So we gave away, gosh, over 500 bicycle helmets to kids in need. That's awesome. Um, you know, it, it, it's just something that, you never forget those photos yeah. uh, of people that have been involved in, in horrific accidents. Um, you, you can't, you can't unsee mm-hmm. those photos. So that drives you to say, hey, let's see what we can do to stop these bad things from happening to good people. Mm, yeah, so true, so true. And it kind of goes back to your roots, what you were telling me about growing up in your dad's church. And, and, and those guys set an example for you, and now you're setting an example for the next generation of attorneys. Because attorneys tend to have a pretty crappy reputation in the culture because, hey, it's fun to tell lawyer jokes. But 
you're kind of oh, yeah. changing the 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 story. You're changing the well. We the try, and, and you're right. Attorneys are, are not thought of positively in, in the community. Uh, but because when of those guys one, working for the insurance companies, yeah, basically, you yeah. know. <laughs> but when somebody needs someone, that's the first person you know that they're going to call. That's very true. But even lower on the total total uh, in a lot of people's eyes are the attorneys that advertise, thinking, "Oh, you're an ambulance chaser." No, we're not. Right. We're just letting people know we're out there. Sure. God forbid something bad happened to you. You want somebody that knows what they're doing. Someone that's a specialist in this area. Mm. Well, you know, I think with your in your case, like your brand isn't just out there on the billboards or but you're also doing things like intersection the radio station uh stuff like where you're on the country radio station you're talking about songs of faith you're talking about your faith you've been on the fish doing the same thing over the years um that that i think shows that you guys care about more than just folks calling you it's really about helping people so i think you've done a really good job of that thank you yeah i i I love the intersection radio. We, we have that Sundays from 10 to 11 on New Country 101.5. Mm-hmm. It's a great opportunity for us to, to step out of the lawyer role into another area that's really important to me, our faith, my faith, uh, to tell people um, the stories behind some of the, the songs that are out there mm-hmm. um, and everything with a country flavor. I mean, we play Amazing Grace on a on a radio station here in Atlanta on Sunday mornings, and we could tell that the story is written by the former captain of a slave ship. Right. Uh, it's a great outlet, too, for the country music artists to have some of their faith-based songs played that ordinarily are not going to be played during the week. And as people get in their car to go to church on Sunday mornings or, or as they're getting ready, right. they don't want to hear honky-tonk, badonky-donk. <laughs> you know, they want to hear something uplifting, something's going to get them in the right state of mind for, for church. Or yeah. again, just that, that quiet time at home, a great positive uplifting message. And that's something we get to bring. And when you, you get the calls from the listeners, the, mm-hmm. the emails, the, the Facebook messages saying, hey, thank you. You know, I needed to hear that. That was a great uplifting message this it's morning. It's great. Yeah. yeah. We listened to it on the way to church um, for, uh, gosh, I guess the last six months or so, where the family... Uh, you know, we normally will listen to 104.7 or, or something like that because it's safe for the whole family right. and we got kids in the car. Now, back in the day, you could listen to Fox 97 and you had the oldies and that kind of it was was doing that. Yeah. But knowing that the, the, the country radio station is going to be playing something that you're not hearing every 10 minutes and it's not the songs you're about to go to church to sing is a great defend you know makes it it just so um it's different you know and and we really like it we really enjoy that and i think it really anchors the message in your your mind the next time you hear a song when you've heard the story behind it what influenced the the writers of of the music or are really trying to to bring the, the message of that song into something that's relatable to today the next time you hear it it sticks with you and it takes you back to that that positive message how in the world did you get into that I love music. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of all genres, but, but especially country. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think there was enough faith-based country music that was being played out there. Mm-hmm. And for example, uh, Jesus Take the Wheel, that really didn't get much play on the country stations. It got more play on the Christian mm. stations. And then Something in the Water came out, but the Christian stations didn't really want to play it. Right. Because of some of uh, Carrie Underwood's views uh, at the time that, that kind of made them shy away from it. So 
Like we need to hear these songs. Mm, yeah, totally agree. All right, let's go through all the some of the projects that you guys have done over the years. So, um, you know, thinking back on um, as long as I've known you, I think I probably first met you through the Heroes Project that we do for cancer patients. Right. And you helped start that effort that we were doing. We had Sean Mullins uh, come out and and um, produce the song. And, um, and then it was Rad Kids. And then, I mean, just there's one thing after the other, and I'm going back 10 years now. So let's kind of go through the timeline. What are some of the, the milestones and the different things that you, you guys have done over the years to let people know? Yeah, the, the project All Our Heroes, that really resonated with me because I, I lost an older brother to mm. cancer. Okay. Uh, yeah, colon cancer took him way too soon. And it, it's just one of those things... You hate the disease. You want to do something to fight it. Either mm-hmm. build awareness for people getting out there to get cancer screenings, or or raise funds to help fight in that battle. And to me, that was a tangible way to to really address the the grief, the the, the pain that, that we were feeling with the loss of our older brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a great guy, and you know, I, I can't thank David enough. And and. The whole Gwinnett community rallying around Relay for Life mm-hmm. and, and doing that. As a part of that, we used to kick off the Relay for Life celebration by riding adult side big wheels from the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce right. out to the fairgrounds. Yeah. And gosh, over the years, we rode those big wheels more than 500 miles, raising awareness and, and funds right. for charities. I uh, remember uh, you guys riding them around the arena one time. Yeah. I mean, just. You guys took forty-eight hours everywhere. Yeah, now I remember that. Yeah, forty-eight straight hours. We were riding the uh, big wheels around the upper concourse at the Arena Gwinnett. Mm. Well, you know that's one of those areas where um, it doesn't really get the attention that it really deserves and needs. I mean, cancer is something that people deal with every single day. Um, it's it's definitely something that you don't think about until yeah. you have to think about it. It's just one of those things, one and, of those areas. And God bless those people that are going through it and, and their caregivers. And if you don't think it's going to affect you, one in two men, one in three women are going to mm-hmm. be affected by cancer at some point in their life. So, wow. yeah, we've got to find a cure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then you had Rad Kids. And so is Rad Kids Rad's still going on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a national program uh, supported and, and endorsed by Elizabeth Smart, mm. her dad, Ed. Yeah, back in 2008, there were three women from Georgia with ties to Georgia that were abducted and murdered. And at the mm. time, uh, my wife and I had just given birth, and my wife had given birth to our, our twins. We had three daughters. Mm. And so we were really worried, oh, my God, what, what kind of world are they, they right. going to be raised in? You know, what do we need to, to do to make sure that they're safe? So we thought about karate classes, self-defense courses, but I had an opportunity to meet Vivian Gershon, whose daughter, Lauren Burke, was one of the students that was killed at, at Auburn. And she wow. said something that really stuck with me. She said, it's important they know how to defend themselves, but I think it's more important they, they know how how to avoid putting themselves in dangerous situations. And so I started researching to see what are we doing to help educate our kids in that arena to avoid those dangerous situations. Right. And sadly, there is such a void there. That's mm. where I came across Rad Kids, where they do teach kids safety uh, steps, how to avoid being in bad situations, but God forbid, if you find yourself in one, how to get out of it. Mm. Uh, it's it's a great national program. Steve Daly's the the founder, the director. It's something that we have trained. Oh my God, over a hundred 
instructors here in Georgia and around the Southeast and something we continue to support. I want to get into the vein of this because now you totally, you see the pattern of you guys are, 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 are really out there when something bad happens and you're defending someone and you're representing that person. And then you're, you're also, you're in where you're giving to prevent bad things from happening. So you're both reacting to the bad thing that happened and defending someone and making sure that they're taken care of after the fact. But then you're also going back and doing something as the issues kind of impact you and your family. Yeah, we, we want to have that reactive mm-hmm. and proactive approach. Okay, we see the problem. Let's solve it. But how can we prevent it from happening down the road? What can we do from either a safety education standpoint or providing kids, mm. as I said, with, with a bicycle helmets to help protect them in those situations? Is that your faith? Is that is, where, What is it in you, you think, that, that makes that something that you go back and do? Because this is not something that's, yeah. that's normal, really. Where was this? Where did this come from? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I just know I can't ignore the problem, mm. uh, which gets me in trouble sometimes. My wife comes to me and tells me a problem. I immediately want to solve it. Right. She's like, no, I just want you to listen. <laughs> so I, I've learned that over the years. But, yeah. you know, John F. Kennedy once said, one person can make a difference and uh, every person must try. Yeah, that's good. And, and so the, the difference is that I want to make is solve the problem, but see what we can do to keep it from happening down the Again, road. Again, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's 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 big, and that keeps you super super busy. It and does. so you've always probably got like fourteen different things going on on a day to day basis. Do you have a routine you keep, or do you have like some some things that you do to? What's your day look like? It's just constant chaos. Mm. But but I, I thrive in that environment. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've never been diagnosed with, but I do think I have ADD. <laughs> you know, look, look a squirrel. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that that just keeps me going. I always have to find something new to challenge me, um, mm-hmm. which is why I love doing the intersection. I, I love writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, love spending time with the family. But just, just anything to keep me busy. I'm not one to, to sit on the couch. I just, I just can't do it. That's true. I mean, you are, are around and everywhere. And I thought this was so cute because my your, your branding being everywhere does work because my daughter basically, while she was staying at grandma's, and my mother, um, they're, they've got the TV on and it's rolling through the ads and everything that's there. And if you're watching daytime TV, you're going to see a Gary Martin Hayes commercial, you know. Yeah. And so she started watching me. And I guess somewhere along the line, she must have memorized 1-800-WIN-WIN-1. And so when it came time to do her commercial, she was like, I want to do 1-800-WIN-WIN-1. I'm like, that's Gary's number. <laughs> And, and she, and I was did, like, you know, I know him. And she's yeah. like, no, you don't. He's famous. No, you don't. <laughs> well, she did a great job recreating a, uh, a commercial for me. That's but, so funny. But two things out of that: one, she needs to pursue a, a career in broadcasting, and two, you don't need to let her watch the Jerry Springer show. I, I know. I got to tell Grandma about that. That's 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 on Grandma. That's on Nana right there. The facts are the facts. I mean, you 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 literally grew this into one of the largest uh, law firms in Georgia, if not the Southeast. So kind of talk a little bit about building that team and and and, and the team that you have there that, that's doing the work every day. Yeah. yeah I, strangely enough, I equate a lot of our growth and success to me having brain surgery. Oh. Back in uh, early 2000, I think around 2000. It's odd. I don't actually remember the date, but I believe it was 2005. Mm. I was diagnosed with a uh, what's called a Chiari malformation. It's a form of spina bifida. So 
I knew for four to five months I was going to be totally immobilized, mm. not able to get out, do anything. Thank God the procedure worked, no ill effects from it. But what it had me do was take a step back from being in the weeds every day right. to being able to, to manage a bunch of people that I had trained and, and I entrusted them during that time that I was away and they did a great job. So I was able to, to really take a step back, plan the growth and development of the firm. I still have that opportunity. I love it of, of meeting with every client, working out the, the track that the, the claim is going to take, mm -hmm. uh, still involved in, in the cases on, on a daily basis. But it, it really helped me map out where do I want to be three years from now, five years from now, and I right. developed that plan to get there. Yeah, that's so important. And I think most people just you know, they react. But when something like that happens, you have to plan, you have to yeah. delegate, you have to give it to somebody else. And that trust part is kind of the tough hurdle to get over. But when you have to hand it over, and then it must feel good also that they answered the call. It, it, it does. And it gets back to hiring the right people. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of great lawyers out there. They're very good Technically, they know the law. They can write the briefs. Mm -hmm. But if they don't give a flying rant's rear end about people, they're not going to work for me. Yeah. Bottom line, they've got to be good at what they do. Yeah. But they got to be doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. That's that's the whole brand. That's the whole. That's the heart of the company. Mm -hmm. And they got to fit. Yeah. And, and when they do fit, it kind of makes it easy. Yeah. And if not. You know, no harm, no foul. Wish you all the best, but this is not a place for you. Well, there's, there's, you know, lawyers right now that are working for insurance companies and feeling the exact way that you first felt. Yeah. And they're wondering, is there any place for me to go? You guys need to look up Gary Martin Hayes. Please, love to talk to him because there's a place for you here. Yeah, yes. absolutely. We, I mean, you guys are champions of the community. And so how did you f grow up? Around Gwinnett, did you come to Gwinnett? How did the firm come to be in, um, is it Duluth that it's in or Larson? Yeah, we're in Duluth. Um, you know, I, I grew up, as I said, in, in a bunch of small towns in South Alabama, Northwest Florida. I came to Emory for undergrad okay. and fell in love with Atlanta, yeah. went to Mercer for law school in Macon, and then came Wonderful. back to Atlanta. It's been home ever since. And gosh, I've been in Gwinnett since 1989. Yeah, long time. I love this area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you see, uh, you you are a big supporter of any events that are going on. I mean, you've just you've given back to our community. So, for one, I have to really thank you because you are um, kind of a local legend and at least no. a legacy here. No, it's absolutely no, true. Too kind. When somebody looks back at Gary Martin Hayes and Associates, they're not going to just see the law firm. They're going to see the law firm, and they're going to see the radio show, and they're going to see the impact of Rad Kids, and they're going to see contributions to our American Cancer Society. I mean, you're building something bigger than just one thing. And I think that's a good message, is that we are not just one thing. Oh, thank you for that. And I think the, the question that anybody needs to ask themselves is, what story do I want to be told about myself? There you go. Yeah. You know, when, when that time comes, good Lord, take us away. Mm -hmm. What kind of legacy did you leave behind? Mm -hmm. I think you're on a good track. You're on a good trajectory, well, Gary. Well, hopefully the work, <laughs> good Lord willing, the, the work is, is not done yet. Right. But, you know, and that, that begs the question, too. If you live in Gwinnett County, why don't you want to do everything you can to make this a better place for know, everybody, right? For the kids, mm -hmm. uh, for for our kids, why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
the the local impact i think it's because the society and culture as a whole has us all looking out the window or we all look into the wild blue yonder or one day when i make it even though yeah. most people can't define what make it means oh yeah <laughs> you know and so but but i can help my neighbor and i can love my neighbor and the thing that gets me through almost every day is i have to have a mission when i wake up and that's just i'm grateful for everything that i have but i also want to find that one person I can encourage today, mm-hmm. if one person I can lift up in any forum, you know, and it might just be a guy I meet on the street, you know, or, yeah. or somebody in the restaurant. But you're constantly looking for ways to do that. I think if more businesses did that, if more people did that, we'd be in a much better place. And I get back to, to the, the question my, my parents would always ask mm. or the words of encouragement. You know, think what you can do today to help impact somebody's life positively. Mm. And the butterfly effect off of that. Yeah, right. You know, no, no telling how far-reaching all this is going to be. Uh, for, for example, we uh, helped raise money for HBCUs, uh, historically black colleges and universities, for mm. scholarships. Sadly, they are lacking in, in funding right now. Nothing would distress me more than hear somebody that has the, the grades and the drive to go to school, but they can't afford it. Right. Thankfully, we, we, we donated $10,000 to that. A total, I think, of $13,000 was raised to help fund scholarships. Mm. But that's an impact that, that hopefully is going to be felt generationally. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the challenge that we always have. Yeah, we want to help somebody, we want to feed somebody today, but what can we do to help them feed themselves tomorrow mm-hmm. and the next day? Yeah, you're giving them not a handout, you're giving them a hand up. Mm-hmm. And so you're helping them when when a family member first goes to college and you have that first that changes everything. It does. Cuz they're educating their kids almost right right off the rip. So they're helping them from day 1 just because of what they were able to uh, experience. And to me that that's a more powerful tangible effect than than changing your image, mm-hmm. your, your uh Facebook you know, photo mm-hmm. or putting a hashtag up. Yeah, there's you know, a lot of that's, folks that's that are, symbolic, <laughs> but I'm sorry, it, it's not making right. a, a positive change. Well, I had a college professor that uh, once told me that awareness is pointing at a piece of trash, but it takes someone actually picking it up to do anything. No, that's great. And I thought that was a good way to to put it. It always, I always thought about that, especially when we were making films, because we were raising awareness. But then there was a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure that, well, this is just not all for naught. Like, let's make sure it actually does something. When I was in college, my summers were spent uh, working in group sales at Miracle Strip Amusement Park. Oh, yeah. yeah I have a Miracle Strip t-shirt that I go. just found. Oh, yeah. The, the uh, director of group sales there, Buddy Wilkes, um, whenever we'd walk around the park, people would always say, hey, that's Buddy Wilkes. And yeah. so I ask him, hey, hey, Buddy, everybody knows you. And he's like, well, yeah, I used to be the TV anchor, you know, for the news down here at the local station, really? but I quit that and, and I uh-huh. got into to marketing. I said, well, why'd you quit? He said, well, when I was walking around the grocery store, everybody would know me, but it wasn't putting more groceries in my cart. Mm. So that was a great lesson for me. Very true. About, yeah, there may be awareness, but it, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't helping him. Uh, financial wasn't helping him help others. So yeah. yeah, awareness is one thing, but it needs to have results too. Right. It only starts with awareness. And then there, then there's a lot of other things to consider after that. And getting back to your story, not being so high and mighty that you can't pick up that trash. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. How 
with my dad being uh, the, the minister, we were the custodial crew. Mm-hmm. My, my two brothers, my sister and I, we'd clean the bathrooms. We'd set up the fellowship hall for uh, the Wednesday night dinners and take it down for Sunday uh, mornings. Uh, not being too proud to, to do those jobs. I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to get out there, get dirty. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, great lesson in life, treat the custodian the same way that you do the COO. The you know, CEO. when you have a parent in ministry, the whole family is in ministry. Yeah. And I think it does become ingrained that you are the first to show up and the last to leave, right? Exactly. And that's just something you probably just take to every single day. And you're out there and you're making it look fun and enjoyable. So hopefully it's inspiring other people to get out there and do some good as well. So It it is. It's a labor of love. I mean, I really do love what I do and the people I work with every day. Yeah, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Is there anything else we want to talk about before we go? Actually, I would like to ask you just some general leadership advice for... Um, you know, this has been a crazy year and it's just good to get everyone's, uh, advice for, for folks, whether it's specific to your industry or specifically locally and restaurants are having a a hard time. I know that's on your heart. So why don't you just give us something good? Well, I think the biggest lesson I I learned throughout all this was people are going to approach this pandemic and the sheltering in place in one or two ways. You're going to have the, the one sit back, oh, my God, poor pitiful me. You know, what am I going to do? I, I can't do anything. They, they wallow in mm-hmm. indecision and their inability to, to do something to address it. I love those that are say, okay, I'm here. Not what I expected, not what I wanted, but circumstances tell me I'm here. What can I do about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've used the pandemic to write two books to, to help other lawyers right. learn how we handle wrongful death claims, how we handle tractor trailer claims. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the decision was made, what can we do to help others in our community? They're struggling at this time. Uh, what positive message, what show of love can we, can we and support can we give to them mm-hmm. to let them know we're going to get through it. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a train. I promise you we're going to get through it if we get through it together, but what tangible steps can we do to get to that point? I love how restaurants mm-hmm. had to pivot to say, okay, well, when we be closed, we may not be able to have people actually dining in, but why don't we make to-go meals mm-hmm. for people to pick up? Yeah. I it, love the creativity that's come out of this. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it kind of woke everybody up uh, to, to just think about new ways that they could that they can do things. I mean, I really appreciate what you guys do here at Equinum. Gwinnett Magazine. It's a great way to chronicle, as you said, not only what's happening now, but to be able to look back over the years. And, and, and I've saved all those magazines from, from the best of Gwinnett years. And yeah. you can see the, the weight that I've added every, every <laughs> year. But it, it is a neat story to, to see where we started and, and where we are now. And mm-hmm. good Lord willing, where we're going to be 20, 30 years from now. And the, the legacy that the, the people that work with me are going to be able to make in our community, too. Yeah. It's not just me. It's the people that work side by side with me. Absolutely. My attorneys, my staff, I, I can't thank them enough because they all share that passion for helping people. Mm. And that is where we'll end it for today's podcast. Thanks for joining us. And please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Crazy haystack full of needles There ain't no
Gwinnett Podcast is brought to you by Gwinnett Magazine, recorded at Story Road Studios, produced by me, Nate McGill, hosted with David Greer, and music by Levi Lowry. To never miss an episode, make sure you hit subscribe. Some wear badges and others white jackets, and they put us back together again. The preachers and teachers and professional reachers keep believing in us when we came. We're coming all colors and shapes and sizes, God painted it that way.